0: Welcome to the Kinsuki Heroes podcast special Alpine Bushfires series, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people from the Victorian Alpine region who went through the bushfires which occurred from late 2019 through to early 2020. These stories highlight the different challenges and events people went through and how they overcame them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help you. If you love this conversation, please like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next Hero's Story. This week on Kintsuki Heroes Alpine Edition, we are featuring three stories of club members that were active in supporting the community during the Black Summer bushfires. Jeff Dinning, Les Harrison, and Lance Simmons are pillars of their respective clubs and have shared with us how they helped the Alpine region begin to repair after the tragic period of 2019 2020. First, we'll hear from Jeff about ongoing projects with the Rotary Club and how they brought back their community after the height of COVID. Hello and thank you. It's so good to be here. It's uh, another one of our special series episodes for the Alpine Bushfires, and my guest today is Jeff Dinning. Jeff, welcome.
1: Thanks, thanks very much, Aveline. Uh I go back to when the bushfires uh, were on uh, on the um, on the eve of the 2020. And uh, I can remember uh, being in Wangaratta, we could see the uh, fires back up into the uh, upper Murray, absolutely devastating. And uh, it made us realise as Rotarians that we needed to do something about that. And uh, what we did is we formed our District 9790, District Bushfire Committee was formed early in January in 2020. And what we saw was the first, uh, project that need to get underway was to help the children in, uh, schools in primary and, uh, and, and also in, in the other schools, which are the private schools, uh, to get them books and stuff because the farmers didn't have much up in that area. So that was a, a big achievement and that was put up through the, uh, Corriong News Agent. So that gave the, uh, local businesses an opportunity to get a little bit of an income. Uh, from there, we, we decided that we needed to support the dairy farmers in the area. And with that project, uh, we purchased, uh, dairy pellets for the cows. And, and that, that was a huge, uh, project to get underway. And we, we found that, uh, that, that, uh, Gave gave the farmers a, a little bit of support to see that there are people doing the work to support them, and once once that was underway, we worked with uh, Victorian Farmers Federation to get some hay into the area, and uh, that was a uh, huge probably two or three hundred semi trailers into that area to to support the farmers, uh, and that that sort of project continued. Uh, throughout and what we found though and what we learned as, as a project, uh, some of the big square bales we, we carted up there and uh, delivered to the farmers and uh, overnight uh, some of the farmers had two or three inches of rain and, and that meant that the hay was no good. So we learned that we needed to put uh, tarpaulins over, there, over the top of the hay. So, so that was something that we learned from that. We also supported the farmers with uh, shipping containers to put their um, small items of, of machinery in there to keep them out of the weather. Uh, another project was in uh, Beechworth, Myrtleford and Mount Beauty area was air purifiers to uh, lessen the smoke in the hospitals up in that area. And this was a, a joint project with a lot of, lot of Rotary clubs in the area, and not so much in the area as well. But uh, we had support from Rotary, Rotary um, clubs in the likes of Fremantle, uh, and and uh, even even uh, the hay that came from a long, long way away as Ballarat supported us very well in in, in the hay. Uh, the other projects that we did, uh, there were a lot of small towns up in in uh, the koryong area and we, we found that we needed to support them and we have what we call compassionate grants and these are two and a half thousand dollars but they go to uh, various uh, farmers and also even business people that have been uh, burnt out or had smoke uh, in relation to their and needed new curtains and that type of thing so Probably over, over uh, a period of time, and we're still continuing with that. Uh, it was probably over 40 uh, compassionate grants of two and a half thousand dollars, and we have worked very closely with uh, Gateway Health in in Orbe, Wodonga and Wangaratta to assist because they were the people on the ground that were able to go and visit the farmers. Uh, but some of the some of the smaller townships like Kudji was completely burnt out. Coriong uh, had fires right around it. Wawa, and Nariel Valleys. And one of the other projects that was on ongoing was uh, a Rotary Club of Melbourne supplied uh, caravans and we were able to deliver them to people that didn't have a house. Uh, and to see the, the look on the people when you drove in with the caravans, uh, it just you could see that it made a difference to them and they knew that they had that caravan until they got the house built. So it was very, very uh, rewarding and this sort of thing. And our, our committee of um, six people met uh, on a regular every Wednesday night on Zoom. It was on the committee made up of two from Melbourne, one one from Yay, two from Aubrey-Wodonga and, and uh, myself from Wangaratta and one from Yarrawonga. So was a joint effort from District 9790, so we really uh, did sort of assist. And on the other other hand, there was uh, Blaze abe which came into the area for at least six months and helped the farmers to build build their fences. Also, uh, Benalla United Church had a uh, a fencing team which came into the area. So, They were able to give the uh, farmers a little bit of assistance and uh, made that it uh, worked out very well for the farmers and uh, made them realise that with people that were looking after them. Uh, The other projects that were were happening was uh, there was some mental health issues in the area and and a couple of the young ambulance drivers came up with the uh, suggestion that would. Have have a walk for uh, to coordinate the the um, suicide victims that were, were and and uh, these hats were purchased with the assistance of the District 9790 committee and uh, this walk went from Kajiwara to Koriong and into Taowong and uh, that really uh, supported the People because it was the younger people that were affected as well as the older people, and what we didn't realise that we were concentrating on the the older generation, and it was the younger ones that really needed support. Also, some of the other projects uh, we started off with a uh, assisting um, it was was uh, children starting up their own own um, um, toy library. And, uh, that, that brought the young families in together, which, which benefited, uh, not only the younger people, but also the, the, the grandparents that did look after the kids. A lot, a lot of the, a lot of the, um, uh, people had to move out of Kauriong and away. And a couple of the Rotary clubs, I think it was, uh, Albury, Albury, West and Albury North put on a, um, a project where they gave holidays to uh, the farmers and business people in the area where where they could uh, travel might be into just Aubrey Wodonga for a weekend, but uh, and the bigger bigger issues were was the uh, holidays over into New Zealand because when New Zealand had their earthquakes over there, uh, our district assisted them there and had them over here so. That was a return bout and that was very very positive and a lot of a um, lot of good things came out of that just closed probably the link between kiwis and, and australia again which we we see quite often um yeah the other projects were sort of ongoing uh and and as we still can uh, meet on a regular basis like every now we're merging every Two weeks. We're getting to the end now. I know it's probably three years, but uh, there's still a lot of needy people up in in Correong and, and uh, all of the Upper Murray, and even up into uh, all, uh, um the Alpine valleys in um, Alp, um, Mount Beauty and and uh, Beechworth and Bright. Yeah. So I think overall uh, we're probably quite satisfied that we were able to assist uh, the area, uh, in, in the, in the support of what
2: we've been able to do.
0: Wow. Um, that's a lot, Jeff. That's, uh, huge. Um, as you know, you, you explained the first one with the books and then you went on to the next one and the next one. I'm thinking, okay, that sounds like enough. And then you've kept going and going and going. And, it sounds like the, the, the people in your on your committee have done an amazing job to connect with different communities or different resource organisations and people to help provide all of these things. Um, I've got a few questions. First of all, how did you come up with, you know, who needed the support first? So what was the first kind of need that you identified uh, would it be after the fires or during the fires
1: uh definitely after the fires because the, the fires didn't last very long they went through in in probably less than twenty four hours um, and and what we what we realized that we really needed to work uh, with the community and because the community were devastated it was a very hard uh, thing to do but we did have um, members of our pub uh, mark crisp was one that used to live in Corriong and and living in Wodonga and she could go up there on a weekly basis and talk to the people but probably the the closest link we had was with uh, Gateway Health uh, which which were up there daily to uh, source out the um, the bushfire affected uh, farmers and even up until uh, last week there was uh, two new Compassionate grants that came out that were able to assist uh, them so that that's three years down the track, and and we're continuing to find the because some of those people are, are fairly way back up, and the phones don't work, so it makes it very difficult to be able to work with those people in that communities.
0: Mm, absolutely, where's the funding come from for a lot of these projects?
1: Uh, most of the most of the funding came from uh, ro- Rotary clubs that commit it and also uh, through uh, what they call the RABs account which is uh, a Rotary International account with a national body that uh, assisted us with uh, the Compassionate grants but most of those were sort of to coordinate the projects and uh, link Rotary clubs together to be able to uh, support each project And, and one of the projects as an example was uh, Walworth Bush Nursing Hospital, uh, they, they were one of the uh, centres that uh, the, the firemen were able to get help, but uh, they needed a bigger cool room, so that was a, a project that was put together and even um, companies from Melbourne came up to, to put the cool room in and that sort of thing. And it was just amazing to see uh, how the community support comes from everyone and and uh, very, very um, positive outcome.
0: Yeah, you just said it, and I was thinking, you know, what a what an amazing opportunity to see, uh, you know, the the community spirit and how people ca- actually do care about each other and how they pull together. And you don't see that as much in big cities. And as you know, I think you know, you you're you're in a in a country community and having bushfires go through, it really forces people to connect even more and help even more, doesn't it?
1: That's right. And, and uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And, and uh, the really that's where you see the support. And, and it's just amazing to see what people will do. And, and uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, sometimes when you're playing football, you play against the opposition, but something like this, everybody comes together and, and uh and buckles in and, and, and help. But it's amazing the support from the ropety pubs in the area and even the Coryong ropety pub that put on uh, functions for the, the firefighters and, and that type of thing. So it was a really uh, joint effort. And uh, we're just slowly seeing the uh, people in Koryong and those local communities just starting to uh, lift. And that's a long time, but some of them um, over over winter wouldn't light their fire because um, they they knew that they see the flames and that just brought back memory. So, so people in in um, outlying areas that it uh, are was cold, they put an extra rug on, but that didn't make any difference. They wouldn't light the fire. So, it just shows you the effect.
0: Yeah, you know, I never thought about that, and and until you said that, and it, it makes sense if someone's still got that trauma, you know, and and they just don't want to relive it, so that they don't put the fire on. Wow, um, yeah. As you said, it's been three years, right? We're we're at the three year anniversary, and yet the the work, the initiatives that you're doing, is still happening. You know, um, support and clean up and rebuilding is an ongoing process, isn't it? Doesn't it's not just a physical rebuild in in the first sort of period after the fires from what you've described, it's it's been a journey and it goes beyond just the physical.
1: That, that's right, and, and it will still continue there. There's um, a lot of the, the houses haven't been built. Uh, there's a process that's got to go through to get the permits. And, uh, you know, and then what happens then is that uh, all builders are very busy, so it's uh, a waiting game to be able to get the build. So. And you can imagine uh, the frustration between husbands and wives. Uh, that, you know that little little things that probably niggle each other, and uh, you know it's just a matter of uh, being able to continue to support these people uh, in the future. Also, uh, being support for the business community and getting guest speakers up to talk about uh, things and getting them together just around a barbecue, so that. Uh, the, the business community can talk to each other because uh, they, they get back in their little hole and, and don't sort of get out of it. And even even when we look back nowadays, even with uh, COVID uh, was on the top of it as well. So that made it extra hard to be able to, to bring people out into the community. So what we're seeing now just um, down the track for years, we're just starting to see that sort of... Uh, Open up a little bit more and, and people coming out. So, uh, it, it is, it is distressing for a lot of people to, um, go through this and, and you just can't imagine, uh, unless you've been through it. But it, uh, it makes, makes me proud to be a Rotarian when you can assist people in various ways. Not, not so much, not, not the monetary thing. It's, it's also about, um, being able to, um, Make them feel good about themselves
3: as well.
0: How is the? How do you see the mental health of the community three years on? Like, what are you seeing?
1: Yes, well, there had to be something done because there was three youth suicides in the area, and, and that's where uh, the girls from from the ambulance uh, came together and and put that on. But uh, we do we we do see a a positive outcome in in relation to now Um, the programs for youth, we we sent them away on a youth project, Uh, also boxing's been brought into the area to give them something to do and and, uh, also gym gym, gymnasium and that type of thing so I, I think it's a matter of Keeping them uh, positive and, and uh, giving them something to do rather than just still work, So yeah. So. Um,
0: is there much more to do? Like, is there more ongoing work for you to do to support the community? I,
1: I think there'll always be ongoing work, but I, I think a, a role of the uh, bushfire recovery committee from District uh, 9790 is uh, probably nearing the end, and it's up to um, some of the other areas and I know Bushfire Recovery um, Victoria has had input but I think uh, ours has been targeted probably more so at uh, the smaller community areas and also uh, families that probably wouldn't see any of that money from the government uh, whereas ours is not tagged and uh, it, it hits the spot really. All Rotarians can be proud of what they've been able to achieve uh, to, to assist this committee in, in um, helping the uh, Alpine communities in their in, uh, uh, place of different need.
0: Absolutely. Next, we'll hear from Les Harrison, child of a station master, former head teacher at Kotong and an active member of the Lions Club in Tangama. He saw the impact that the bushfires had on the community firsthand and reflects on his experience returning to his home of Kodjewa after the fires, expecting to find it in ruins.
2: Even though I wasn't directly there, it had a a massive impact on me. I grew up in Kodjewa, which was badly affected by the bushfires. In fact, We lived there from 1958 until 1960 when my dad was station master at the railways there. And in those days, it wasn't a long time after the disastrous fires of 1952. And I can remember being at school and our head teacher, Jim Nance, discussing these fires with us and all the things that they had learned to make sure that such a disaster never occurred again. And most of the things that he talked about were common sense things. Unfortunately, over the years, things changed. The railway eventually closed down. A certain other issues arose as far as cleaning up roadsides, uh, collecting firewood and just making sure the place was, well, left spick and span and little chance of fire starting. And that, at the time, was the thinking of a lot of the locals that they would never let it happen again. But unfortunately, of course, it did. And I think that's the sad part about it. Those three years that we were at Kudjiwur led me to regard Kajiwar is my hometown. I'm a Cudgy war kid. And when news came through that the whole town was threatened in this terrible disaster, well, it was like you were losing your own home and your own property. It was a horrible time. I might just backtrack a little bit too that in 1971, I returned to the Upper Murray and taught for three years at the Kuitog Primary School, which is not very far away from Cudgy And I went back there and played football and cricket and, and you still knew a lot of people. So friendships were rekindled, renewed, and it was just as if it was yesterday that you left. And it, my heart still belongs to the Upper Murray. I just think there are a wonderful lot of people who didn't deserve to go through what they went through. Now, on that particular horrible time, we were getting ready to do a big job over at Nathalia with their Lions Carnival on the New Year's Eve, and the news that the fires had devastated a large part of the area really upset me and I rang people who were up there and the first words were, Well, Kaji War's gone. It's been totally destroyed. And you can imagine the um reaction that like it was just horrible to hear that. And the lass who told me that firmly believed that they had lost their home in it as well, uh as Luck would have it later on when they went out to their place to view the ruins. The fire had burnt right up to the house but left the house standing. So they were very, very lucky. They also saved all their cattle. Uh, It was just an amazing stroke of luck. But I was very anxious to find out more and more about the effects of the fires Very little concrete evidence was coming through the media. It was very difficult to get hold of a board of paper in Tungamar where I live. In fact, it was jolly well impossible. And it was only through the bits and pieces through social media, such as Facebook, that we started to get a bit of a picture. Now, there are a lot of things around that area that you would hate to see destroyed. Some of it, of course, was, and it could never be replaced. Some of it survived. And like, for example, the Kajiwa Hotel, the old Permu and Wrights store, I really believed that our childhood home would have been burned to the ground. But the railway houses all survived. And I guess in a way, when I went back there, it was quite comforting to see that at least that part of my childhood was still there even though across the road at the old rabbit works and those places they were destroyed and I can remember playing in them as a child so yeah there there was a fair bit lost uh, driver it was impossible to go up to have a to find out for yourselves how um, how widespread it was at that time, I think it was a long weekend in January before we finally got to drive up there. And the first impression was driving past the ruins of the old Wabba Hotel, which was just a landmark for years and years and years. And, yeah, to see it gone was quite sad. And coming into War, so many places destroyed. But it was a bit comforting or very comforting when we got in there to find that most of the town was still standing and it must have taken a tremendous effort by the firefighters to save all those places and I guess they had to let vacant houses go and sheds go, Um but places where people were living were largely left standing, although I do know that there were people who were totally burnt out and that's... Uh, uh, that, that was very sad. Um, it then it became, well, or long before we got up there at the log weekend, it became what can I do? And it was not so much what I could do, but we could do as our local Lions club. Uh, I was very passionate about some fundraising and we organized a, uh, Huge raffle in Tungama. We had stuff donated from all over Victoria. Our members sold an enormous amount of raffle tickets. We just uh, The efforts of the Lions in our club were just absolutely incredible in raising funds. They just had this focus that we were going to help these people out. And I must admit, I kept doing a bit of kicking and nudging and just making sure that people stayed on track as to what we were after. And um, yeah, and uh, I, I can remember the night at the Tungamah Hotel when we did the raffle. We had 32 prizes, I think. We raised well over $8,000, which isn't bad for a, a little Lions Club in a tiny little town. And we had the whole town there for it. And uh, yeah, it was just... Uh, Magnificent um, experience to be able to do that and to be able to make sure that the money was handed on now, on the face of it, eight thousand dollars doesn't go a long way, but so many other lions clubs uh, made huge donations and ran things as well after the fires, of course, there was the refencing and just getting people back on their feet, farm secure. Now, I do know a group called Blaze Aid went up there and repaired fences, repaired gates. Uh, the Sikh community, I don't know where they came from, but on the long weekend when we went up there to visit and to talk to some of my friends, they were out fencing and I just couldn't believe what they were doing. I did meet one of them in Melbourne last year, one or two of them, and they really are incredible people. And they pass under the radar a bit as far as people who just do so much for other people. And, yeah, and, and, and just then to catch up with the Lions from Wildwood in Jallick, and, uh, gee, some of them were really... Uh, they, they were hurt pretty bad, and some of them very had very narrow escapes. I might add to, and there when we drove up along the the Murray Valley Highway along the river, it's uh, it was you, you just thought it must have been horrific, and it's just yeah, it looked it was an experience seeing all this stuff the ruins of homes and substantial homes historic homes and, and you think well how much has just been lost our history our heritage and like thank thankfully to the cfa so much was left standing that that's that's the amazing part about it then of course we were hit by covid then the floods and Ah, oh, look how much can these small, tiny communities take? They're, they're just incredible people. They're so tough up there in the Upper Murray. They are tough people, and and they're wonderful people. But uh, it makes you wonder just how much they can put up. Like environmentally, it as a very. Do I fished that Murray River up there for years and caught some wonderful trout and. Cod and redfin, and to see the damage done to the environment uh, from the fires and the resultant death of so many fish and birds and animals just from the putrid water that the Murray became. And you started to wonder, will it ever clean up?
0: When you were describing. In your story, how you drove up the Murray Valley Highway, and you said it was just unbelievable what you saw. And now, when you drive up the Murray Valley Highway, you know it looks totally different. You know, there's this regeneration, and in some parts, like in Corioong, you said it's hard to believe there was even a fire that ripped through there. And yet, under the surface, there's still so much devastation that has yet to be healed or cleaned or healed, you know fixed. And as you said at the start of your story of sharing it's still ongoing today how long does it take in your eyes and your experience les Ah, oh,
2: look i've been around a while with uh schools uh, i was a, a school principal for oh uh, well i got 37 years um to some people it never heals the mental hurt uh that never really goes away when you've been through something like that and I look I still talk to people whose homes are burnt down years and years ago and, and they'll and always say the thing I miss most is and it's, it's just the most to us the most inconsequential thing like a doll or something like that that they've lost and it must have been so precious. And photographs, I, I would hate to live without my photographs because they're just reminders of good times. I mean, yeah, okay, you can live with, if your car crashes or catches fire, you can live with that and get another one. But it, it's the memories that, um, yeah, you can never replace and. I'm just looking around the room that I'm in at the moment here at home and it's just full of memorabilia and photographs of uh, happy times in our lives and I'd hate to see it go. Uh, The horror of it all, I don't think it ever really goes away.
0: Our last guest this week is Lance Simmons. Becoming president of the Merciful Bowling Club in May 2019, he couldn't have known what the fires the following summer would bring. Gathering the community around him, his business acumen has extended the reach of the club to provide a vital service of social cohesion and interaction for the residents of the Alpine region.
3: I guess my story starts um, in as much as uh, in May 2019, I became president of the Myrtleford Bowl Club and uh, we're a, a small town in northeast Victoria of course in the Alpine Shire and uh, uh, little did I know at that point in time the bushfires would break out towards the end of the year and hot on its heels was COVID came along to uh, compound all the issues associated with running a very small club and also um, associated with the town and greater area of the Alpine Shire um, Fortunately, my background, um, was in the wine industry for over 40 years, um, in a sales management role. So the corporate world, um, uh, had taught me well in as much as the disciplines about, uh, uh, running a club and uh, running, um, looking after people, um, in that regard. So, um, I was very cognizant from day one of the need to, um, uh, Help with the resilience and um, of the township on a broader scale than just being selfishly looking after the bowls Club I uh, surrounded myself with people with the appropriate skills um, and uh, the uh, the benefits of that uh, to this day have been sensational when I took over the, uh, the bowls club um, they'd run at a loss previously um, all four years, financial years since that day, have, we've made a profit and um, we've put over $170,000 back into the club, uh, even though it's a not-for-profit community club, so that's the right thing to do. And all those benefits, therefore, can be shared by not only the club members but the wider community at large. And um, it's certainly paid dividends. We're a very highly respected club Not only in the Myrtleford uh, Township, but uh, the Alpine Shire these days. And uh, uh, we've flourished in the difficult four years that we've had to go through. We've increased membership. Um, We've just partnered and raised a lot of money for the Royal Children's Hospital in the last few weeks, even. But um, we've enhanced our Barefoot Bowls program. So we've been, um, we've really uh, recognised the need for uh, social interaction and supporting the people of the township uh, through difficult times. And um, um, they've they've, uh, they've come back to us, obviously, and, and our profile in the town has been enhanced and everybody knows the bowling club is a good place to be at these days.
0: Oh, that sounds wonderful. Um, yeah, and well done, for for being able to turn it around since you've uh, since you joined in 2019, that's really great to hear. So tell me what what was going on uh, for you. You'd obviously been at the club for what five months or so before the bushfires broke out, and what was the impact on you, and also I guess the club, the community, and t- take me through then. Sort of how
3: things played out at that point? When um, uh, I was uh, shoulder tapped to consider taking on the presidency because the, the previous president and his wife were moving to Queensland, having been a member of the club for uh, six or seven years before that, the club has been very harmonious and uh, we've been able to achieve a great deal of things in conjunction not only with the members' total support but um, on a broader scale, and um, it was only a few months later the fires broke out, so that wasn't in the frame when I took, on the, took over the helm of the club. But my experience told me that uh, you have to, uh, um, even though it's a relatively small club, not-for-profit community club, you still run it as if it's your own business, and that meant uh, changing uh, a lot of things within the club. My position and my attitude about all that—the difficult times with the smoke and the fires, and uh, the loss of tourism which flowed from the fires and things of that nature—is that uh, this is an ongoing program now. That so we we must continue to build our profile and build um, build on our reputation in the town, and uh, we'll get the benefits long term um, as a club. So much so. Uh, a, a quite an interesting story, which um, has grown into something bigger than Ben Hur. Was that in um, October 2021, I presented to the board of directors my dream, and my dream was to put a roof over one of the greens and change the surface to synthetic. Well, the response around the table was, um, well, good luck with that, and <laughs> um, lots of smiles. And so I promised the uh, the board. Well, look, um, I'm a bit of a dog with a bone when I have a project in mind, so I promise I won't spend any money until I get your approval. Well, we're now at the stage where the whole town knows about this project, and uh, this project has grown into something very big. So, in June, until two months' time, we're very hopeful that the Alpine Shire Council budget uh, will be revealed for 2324. And uh, we will have some sensational news associated with that. Um, in as as, uh, it will lead to the, to the northeast of Victoria's first absolute world-class sporting facility. And in a town of Myrtleford with a population only five, about 5,000 people. Uh, but the, the benefits will certainly be tourism, uh, environmental benefits, health benefits, and economic benefits. So, uh, and and I'm saying once again, not just selfishly for the club, but for the the broader area of the northeast and certainly Myrtleford. So it's a really exciting project and uh, I'll be uh, hopefully staying in the chair, unless they want to kick me out until so's time, as we see this uh, project to fruition, Evelyn. Yeah.
0: Tell me about how did the fires affect the community?
3: My perspective is probably a little, um, different to some of the people in the town in as much as I actually live in Bright, uh, which is 30 kilometers down the road. Um, even though I'm president of the Murlocker Ball Bright has its own Ball stuff. Um, however, um, I just, uh, noticed that, um, uh, there was, uh, a lot of businesses really wanted to cut back and, uh, Uh, run a very tight ship to try and survive uh, because tourism was blocked and in some cases they sort of uh, advised tourists to leave, the vacate the area in some of the critical periods of the fires. And uh, um, so there were a lot of, shall I say, fragile people um, that had put their life life savings and uh, everything into their business and were, very, uh, yeah, fragile when it came to mentally how they were going to get through this and hoping that it wasn't prolonged. And then to get slammed with the COVID thing on top of it, um, that sort of added another dimension. And, and to this day, it's been very much going to visit these people one on one or inviting them, them to our club, uh, and, uh, Looking, looking after. We don't do meals or have poker machines, but, but to look after them and make them feel very special. Um, um, the word spread quickly that the environment at the bowling club was was very welcoming, and it took a lot of pressure off a lot of people, enabled them to have that social interaction, um, where other, you know, otherwise they would just stay home and were trying to save a dollar. So. Uh, we feel really proud of the way that um, you know we we have on an ongoing basis year on year have done a little bit more and more and more um, and realizing that um, it's it's more about uh, being very much part of a community rather than just a club in the town.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. How did, did you do anything uh, I guess, in response to the fires and how that impacted the community? In the club,
3: we had to sort of um, contact them to make sure they stayed in the club initially, or not so much. Not that they didn't want to be part of the club, but they withdrew from society to some extent, uh, very concerned about uh, not only their own welfare, but you know uh, perhaps what else was going on on a larger scale. And uh, yeah, we we had to make it. Um, shared responsibility from the executive and the board of directors that to contact all players on a regular basis to make sure their mental health as well as their physical health um, and uh, was uh, was okay and to get them to get out and to build on build on the fact that the social interaction could only be good for them gave them also the physical opportunity to have their game of bowls that they love and. Um and that sort of spreading on to the wider community has meant that we've grown the numbers for barefoot bowls. They don't have to become a member to be a barefoot bowler, but uh, the numbers have grown greatly and uh, we've gathered quite a few new members through that those programs, you know, uh, which has been great. And, um, you know, wherever you go now, um, you know, I feel welcome everywhere in Myrtleford, uh, throughout the whole township. Um, Part of what we also tried to achieve was getting articles, publicity. So in the local paper, the Alpine uh, Observer, um, we would try to have an article every week, uh, or whether it be just about scores for pennant or about certain players or tournaments or things of that nature. And that, once again, uh, with an invitation always, come and have a game of bowls, you know, and just create that atmosphere.
0: I could only imagine that. During those difficult months and then the ongoing COVID, but certainly when the the fires started, but having those programs open and and growing those. And like you said, reaching out to people and making sure that they were invited and kept connecting with the others was just a lifesaver for them. I mean, this is what people need. They need the connections. They need to be part of that, the group and be, and maybe made feel Part of something.
3: Well, you know, it's very hard to measure, Evelyn. Very hard to measure that. I also understood that to get the best out of the people that are in, you're involved with, you have to work together as a team. Um, and uh, and uh, if they're enjoying themselves, they'll want to spend more time in the club and become more involved. And so that's been very much my leadership, my part of my leadership. Philosophy to make sure everything is inclusive and make make people feel really really welcome, Uh, and it certainly paid dividends in our in our case at the bowling club.
0: How did you see the community get through the fire period, and then after that, you know, once at the rebuild phase, should we call it?
3: Some uh, some didn't get through in terms of uh, it probably to this day still affects their mental health and. uh, um, and they retracted, perhaps socially as well. The demographic in the town is um, probably a little older than that in Bright. Bright, as I've recent years has uh, attracted more people looking that couldn't afford to see change that have come to an area the northeast and the Greater Alpine region uh, where there are so many options and things to do that. Uh, the 30- and 40-year-olds with two kids have moved here and they can sit in the backyard in the sun and conduct their business on a laptop, things of that nature. But there's great opportunities as well, and the lifestyle is so diversified and so great, um, it's been good. Probably a more stable but older demographic in Merleford that was reliant heavily prior to uh, the last six or seven years on tobacco, which they closed the industry down. So that really left, um, the timber mill as the key employer as well. Uh, and, uh, uh, since then, the town has, has searched for other, other industries to really build on. Um, and it's, it's a very slow, been a very slow build, you know. So, uh, uh, I think one of the graving, uh, the saving graces, um, is that the people on the land have seen quite dynamic uh, values in terms of beef and sheep and um, and uh, farming? So that 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 has been a positive that has brought back uh, people in a very positive frame of mind. But some are still to this day, I'm sure, struggling. You know. Um, so you know, uh, going forward, I guess we we hope for some consecutive years of Fire-free period, and people can really build their lives 100%. I guess is where where what I'm saying. You know,
0: has the community kind of put in place anything new after these fires on a a physical level or or a humanitarian kind of personal level to potentially cope if, if if the fires come if more fires come in the future.
3: Um, look, uh, I spoke to the vice president of the footy club a couple of years ago, uh, two years ago, I think, and because I had this thing in mind that um, I wanted to see every single club in Merleford come together. Um, and uh, even if we only got stickers and a little uh, stand with all the, the brochures in it for, regarding Beyond Blue and mental health, and issues that might have uh, made life difficult for a lot of people, irrespective of their age, um, I was a step behind because the uh, the football club had started a move for themselves uh, for their club. But I still want to see going forward that all clubs come together so that we could have at the front door or wherever it may be. Uh, a welcome message for anybody that just wants to come in and talk, uh, if they've still got issues with mental health, because I unfortunately see that as one of the uh, a growing concern Australia wide for various reasons, and it doesn't have to be catastrophic floods or or fires, but uh, um, so that when you have a position of responsibility like mine and the board of directors we have an obligation to support programs of that nature as well.
0: Lance, thank you so much for sharing. I love what you're doing. I love your positivity, uh, your connectedness, the way you're developing these programs and growing the spirit of the club and connecting with other clubs and making it so accessible to people and being a solid place in the community for people to, to go and enjoy. And it's so important. And I, I just want to thank you for sharing and everything that you're doing.
3: Well, I appreciate your time and having the opportunity to uh, have a chat here, Evelyn. So, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for, uh, to you and uh, Ian for developing the, this program. And I hope down the track it provides some benefit for others to sharing.
0: Absolutely. I know it will. Thank you, Lance. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes with the Alpine Bushfires special series. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below and join us for our next hero story. Until then, keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique way.